Arr, welcome to this episode of the Pirate Podcast. In this episode, I sat down with Eric Potsovait. Eric is the CEO of Scalable Capital. And Scalable Capital is a digital wealth manager completely based on computer algorithms, a so-called robo-advisor. We kick the session off by discussing various sales channels. I hope you enjoy this episode. What does a sales event in your industry look like? Um, it's, it's literally so we rent a hotel in a uh, sorry a room in a hotel and um, we make marketing across our social media channel channels okay. and then around 100 uh, private investors yeah they show up they sit for one and a half hours in the room and they listen to what we do so it's, it's literally an, an offline um, yeah we, we call it webinar. Basically. Yeah, web, uh, offline webinar. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we do webinars as well. Obviously, it's more time efficient and cost efficient. But um, yeah, it's yeah, it's literally like a, a pitch. Right. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and this is uh, this is also the way that that works for you guys, or is it just one small channel? It's it's one small channel. We do lots of channels. I mean, we um, obviously do most of the the clients come in via yeah, uh, online channels. Yeah. So. Um, uh, so our social media channels via Google AdWords SEO, but we do offline events as well. We do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we do even advertorials in newspapers, so classic print advertisement, um, a little bit of TV, like really all across the uh, all across the marketing landscape. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's very fascinating what you guys are doing, and you guys have uh, really quickly scaled uh, in. Recognition in uh, in everything. Mm -hmm. You have a big announcement now, two hundred million under um, assets under management, etc. But let's dive in that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. First, I'd love to just uh, just uh, ask you to to introduce yourself quickly. Who are you? What do you do? Yeah, um, I'm Eric Eric Potsovite. Um, I'm one of the four co-founders of Scalable Capital. Um, historically, or by trade, I'm a, I'm a banker. I worked for for Goldman Sachs for seven years in in London and Frankfurt. And then I moved into the startup world, working for West Wing, uh, an online e-commerce company for um, home and living, uh, one of the one of the bigger ones, and was responsible together with one of the founders for for the German German business. And there, I basically learned the how yeah digital client conversion, how that works, and scalable capital is now a basically a synergy. The old banking knowledge and experience that I got there. And the problems that I saw in the industry and the the, the new one uh, digital knowledge and experience that I gained at West Wing. Um, yeah. So let's let's dive a little bit into the the story of uh, Scalable Capital. When was it founded? It was the company was founded uh, a bit over two years ago, end of two thousand fourteen, by me and two other colleagues at uh, Goldman Sachs. Um, so and it's really a Goldman uh, yeah, kind of... Yeah, and then uh, one, one other person that's very important to us, my former uh, professor for statistics and finance, he's uh, Professor Mitnick, he uh, runs the chair for financial econometrics and statistics at the University of Munich, and I was in contact ever since I, I left uh, the university, and he's really interested in the, in the practical finance, financial world. And yeah, I mean, when we found it, when we decided to found the company, we immediately asked him to to come on board. And uh, yeah, he's a he's a full fledged founder, 
He's um, with us all the time and he's basically the creator of the investment management and the risk management model that we use to actually manage our clients' money. Okay. I'd really love to understand a little bit more about that a little bit later yeah. while we dive in. So let's 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 look okay, so you were three three Goldman founders, uh, with this professor, yeah. like more like the elder statesman probably. Yeah. Um uh founded uh two years ago. What what were like the like the founding steps? What were the mm -hmm. was this the initial idea or did it change over time? Mm -hmm. What have you learned? Um, no, the initial idea didn't change, but you had to you have to accustom for, to a lot of things. I mean, first of all, in the in the business area where we are active in, it's highly regulated, so you can't do it without proper regulation. So the first, even before we founded the company, we had to reach out to the regulator, write an application to be uh, to get the license, the authorization as a as an investment manager. Did, they, you, did you have funding back then, or was it all, all no, self-funded? That we, in the very, very beginning, was self-funded. Yeah, so we literally, I moved out of my, like it was one of the, the proper founding stories. I moved out of my apartment, I moved back in with my brother, who mm -hmm. lives in Munich. Uh, um, he had a small room, where I basically bought an Ikea bed, put it in there. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, he was complaining, but after some months, I, I broke him. Yeah? <laughs> and um, yeah, so really cut down our personal expenses. We... We rented a very small room in in in. Uh, don't know whether you've been to Munich, but they have a, a party area called the, the Kunstpark East, mm -hmm. and they are starting to build um, a startup scene there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a startup scene in Munich is not as concentrated as it is in Berlin, so it's spread out through the city. But um, on this on this party ground, they 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 rent out um, startup offices, and our first office was literally one room above uh, the New York Table Dance Bar. Yeah, so that's how it started and yeah we had to apply for a license so that that takes actually quite some time um, we and we had to do this in Germany and in the UK because we, we started from day one in two countries one of our founders mm -hmm. is um, he's in London yeah because we wanted to be international from day one or at least European international from day one yeah and then uh, applied for the license then you obviously as you've mentioned you need funding um, because you self-finance you run out of that money uh, quite quickly especially when you start to employ the first uh, people want to hire uh, the first people out of their jobs and we did a seed round with um, mainly business angels was that was that uh, the four million or is that yeah okay four, four million and um and uh, so small uh, VCs and business angels that we knew from the industry and then quickly after that actually we did our uh, A round, 7 million A round, I mean quickly like 10 months after that, yeah, where Holtzbring Ventures and Tangleman Ventures as yeah. proper VCs came in. Yeah. Yeah. And you also, you pitched at the exec, uh, I think, yeah. uh, right around the A round, uh, the C round, right? Exactly, exactly. That was uh, um, one year ago or a bit over one year ago. And that was actually quite funny because um, you had this startup competition, the pitch competition. We were in the finals and we uh, we made uh, second place. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, you guys offered, uh, or you had in place, uh, actually a, a very a very healthy uh, prize money. I think mm -hmm. the winner got ten thousand. We as a, as a runners up got six thousand euros, mm -hmm. and um, we still have it in our office because that was literally the first revenue the company made yeah? <laughs> if you can if you can count it under revenue yeah that was the first time that actually money went mm -hmm. into the company not just mm -hmm. not just out for for um, for expenses purposes uh, purposes um, yeah no so we won that that was uh, that was a really really good 
really good event, uh, um, good judges on board, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, one of the kickstarts that you mm -hmm. need as a young company. It was also a really good pitch. I uh, remember it vividly. Okay. Um, a good pitch, and I also sort of thought like, okay, this this idea could really uh, be something. It could really take off because it was also credible that you guys knew the industry very well. Mm -hmm. Also, having the Westwing experience, especially. Uh, uh, I had the feeling, okay, this uh, this could make sense, and I'm also happy that also the um, also the judges had a had a fairly similar um, uh, then uh, impression. Then so, uh, and what was the story afterwards? That's that's uh, of course especially interesting because you were fairly young. I think you were you were having uh, invitation only phase back then, mm -hmm. or like a beta phase. I don't know. Yeah. Were you out already then? It was mainly we just left our friends and family phase, but we weren't. It, it was just the start of, of uh, addressing the public market. Yeah, I mean, in, yeah. In but but it was invitation only, right? Yeah. Let's 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 quickly explain the model to the okay. uh, to people. So so basically, you need uh, um, ten thousand euros yeah. and, uh, minimum to to even be uh, yeah. So so investing. what okay. what 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 we do is we basically manage other people's money with technology and our technology does two things first it, it selects the financial products we only use so-called exchange traded funds for that um, it's a specific term these these are basically um, funds that are very 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 cheap hence the banks are not using them the banks are not selling them because they don't make uh, enough money out of them but they're very popular especially in the US these ETFs or exchange traded funds are hugely popular And first is we select the right ETFs because ETFs, there's thousands of them out there and they differ by pricing, by geography, by replication methods, by tax situation. So it's quite complicated actually without help to do it yourself. And that's the one part. And then once we selected them, we put clients into certain risk categories and we manage the risk for them. So basically clients can tell us how much How much risk they, how much loss risk they can endure in their portfolio, and we monitor and manage the portfolio accordingly with with software. So we don't make any personal decisions. We don't read the newspapers and make up our minds whether Trump will be good or bad or whatever for the markets. We simply look at data. We look at risks. How much you, how much the, the ETFs in your portfolio move, and we manage the portfolio with, the portfolio with that. Um, might sound quite abstract, but it's it's that's actually a very good um, service for people who don't one don't want to manage the money themselves, and b who don't want to walk into a banking branch because in the banking branch you're usually usually being sold um, quite expensive financial products yeah, or funds or, or or even worse life insurance uh, contracts. How am I going to explain to my mom yeah. that uh, a machine takes the Takes the decisions. Hmm? So it's very, um, it's a good point actually because a lot of people are and are still skeptical of software doing that. But when you zoom out a little bit, we entrust technology or software with very, very important things in our lives already. So transportation, by, uh, for example. I mean, you wouldn't board a plane where. The, the pie where where they are where, where they don't have good technology and where there's no autopilot in place you wouldn't board a plane but, with but just an autopilot yeah exactly exactly yeah so and you are just it, the autopilot it's right? still I mean we have human supervision yeah when people talk about algorithms and about robo advice it, it may it makes it sounds like like it's whatever Skynet managing your money which is not the case 
it's, it's literally people building software and using software to make smart decisions for, for, for your portfolio. So we still have a human oversight. Yeah, The trading is not automated, so the, the, the technology cannot place an order at the exchange. It basically generates a signal. We look at the signal and say, okay, the whatever the algorithm wants to increase the equity proportion in your portfolio, and then we'll give it we will give it a go. So it's it's the, the right example is a, a pilot using an autopilot mechanism to to help make better decisions and to help analyze uh, data uh, in a, in a better and more more, more efficient way. Um, and this is in in stark contrast to what the traditional industry in do, is doing, because in money management, especially when it comes to you go and talk to a bank advisor. It's it's a hugely manual process currently. It's hugely and manual. And there are big fees. You guys charge zero point seven five percent. We charge zero point seven five, and this is really an all-in fee where all the costs are included. Yeah. So um, all the trading, um, custody fee, um, taxes, uh, our our expenses, everything is in there. And then the ETFs that we use are very cheap as well. They cost around 0.2% and that's really and everything. We, you pay that on top. You pay so that directly to the ETF provider. For but basically it costs me it costs the uh, one, one around 1%. That's really okay. the total, total, total fee. There is nothing, no hidden fees, no performance fees, nothing of this, this kind. And this is, this is actually quite unique because, um, the, for example, I mean, you have FinTech and InsureTech here when you go to an insurance salesperson, you don't even know how much you pay. It seems like it's for free because the advice is not charged by the hour, but the amount of fees that you pay when you actually buy a life insurance product are, are staggering. They are up to up to 20%, 15 to 20% mm -hmm. um, hidden within that life insurance structure. And yeah, and that's just being taken out of your, your pocket. And technology basically can help to make this cheaper, more convenient, And uh, and yeah, and thus providing a better a better quality in the in the investment world. Okay. Let me let me quickly understand the uh, the business model. So basically, a zero point seven five percent fee. Um, uh, in in is so that covers all your personal expenses. Everything you don't have any have to pay any I don't know anything else to the ETF or no. We don't have to pay anything else. I mean, we have we're working. So where the, the, the money doesn't sit with us, yeah, because then you need a full banking license, and also we don't want that. So the money sits with a with a custody bank, and you have to pay mm -hmm. some money to them. But apart from that, it's really a lead model. Yeah? I mean, we have to pay our programmers, we have to pay marketing, but we don't have any inventory, we don't have any logistics, okay, nothing of it. this kind. So However, basically, yeah. it scales with the assets under you have management. To be big. You so have that's to be big, yeah. and that's the that's the big uh, bet, probably, right? Exactly. To just say, uh, exactly. Let's let's uh, let's go a little bit look also ahead, um, uh, because you have investors. You have uh, four million, four million round, seven million round. So you've got big investors in now. They expect a return. You probably have some kind of business model. When. When does it, uh, or what, 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 like assets under management do you actually have to reach yeah. to be sexy yeah. for those for those investors? Exactly. I mean, you pointed out uh, exactly where this where this has to be. This whole business model, and I mean, the name itself, scalable capital, suggests that it only becomes really, really, really interesting from a company venture capital perspective is if this business becomes really big, and we're talking literally billions of 
client investments. And I mean, when you when you say billions, it 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 it, it that sounds very far away. But when you look at the investment management world, how much money sits with with um, in, in each individual country not being invested or being invested into expensive products, and the market is huge. It's the biggest market you can you can possibly think about. I mean, in Germany alone, more than two trillion. Those are two thousand billion euros are invested in nothing at all. So the biggest asset class in Germany is not doing anything with your money, and. So, I mean, where will, will, will it be attractive? Um, we currently grow at a, at a very good uh, pace. I mean, we reached uh, 100 million um, 10, 11 months after our start, shortly before the end of last year. Now we doubled within three months. So we are at 200 million now. We're growing with one to two million a day. And we see even that speed increasing. So I'm fairly confident that we will we will reach the first billion in, in, in the near future and yeah from there you have to you have to um, yeah you have to even further further increase it and you can increase it by building building a, a recognizable B2C brand. You can uh, increase it by going into other markets. Yeah, we're currently looking at other European markets. Switzerland is interesting. Other European markets are interesting and you can also increase it by partnering. Um, with uh, yeah, basically a B2B2C model. And one thing that I can mention that we're really proud of is we partner with Siemens. So Siemens, actually the, the DAX company, the 200-year-old startup, um, as they prefer to be called, uh, founded here in Berlin as well mm -hmm. in the garage. They were actually looking for um, a financial product, a service, That they could offer to their investor, uh, sorry, to their employees, employees, yes, yeah. uh, 200, employees and their yeah. families in Germany, um, and yeah, we basically won that mandate, and they, now they're actively advertising us and, and pitching it to their uh, to their uh, employee base, and yeah, this was uh, uh, this was fantastic news for us. I mean, first of all. Siemens and you have other people doing the sales exactly. for you guys. So yeah, I mean that, that's perfect. that's it. And also, it's I mean, the Siemens employee itself is a good target customer. Yeah, he's, he's well paid, he's well educated, he's he's close to technology usually. Yeah, and uh, also it's it's really great for brand recognition. I mean, if if uh, if people see a big DAX company like Siemens partnering with Scalable Capital, that adds a lot of trust to to our brand. Um, so we were uh, that was. Uh, That was really um, we were very very excited to to announce that deal. In the in the very beginning, you uh, said something about about uh, sales doing these kind of uh, offline webinars. Yeah. Uh, this this example, um, uh, are you a mass product or are you more an institutional uh, an alternative for institutional yeah. investors per product? No, we are. Um, We are mass products, so we target uh, end investors. And I mean, now at the beginning, we how have our immediate target customers. So the ones that we want to reach first are usually people that have a, 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 a business or a tech background. Yeah, that studied business, that studied computer science or engineering. But, but couldn't you just to ramp up the the uh, the, the assets yeah. very quickly? First, go into institutional, just get the big bucks in, give them a really good rate. Mm -hmm. Once uh, you cover all the all the costs, then go into mass. 
in, in theory, that works. Um, and But the, the main problem is, in institutional land, there are a lot of good products and services out there. Yeah. So if you are, I mean, I covered institutional clients when I was at Goldman. If you are a big pension fund, if you are the Norwegian pension funds fund with 800 billion in, in assets, every investment bank in the world will pitch you the best products and they will do it for a very cheap price. All right, got it. And, and if we were to go after these big guys, for, after the elephants, you are competing with the JP Morgans and the Goldman Sachs of this world. However, in, in the private investor landscape, the solutions are just not good. The solutions are too expensive. They're very inconvenient. And we think we have a, have a much greater edge. Uh, uh, our product is just much more attractive to these to these uh, kind of customer groups. So that's why we're going after them, actually. Um, because what we basically do is, it's not so new in the end. We, we are taking an institutional money management approach, so having a, a quantitative risk-focused investment approach that already exists in institutional land, and we are offering it via the internet to private investors that don't have access to it yet. And this is, I think, the big breakthrough. The innovation is not so much in each individual part. The innovation is more in putting everything together and giving people access to something that they didn't have access before. That's 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 the disruption part in, in our world. So what is the big ambition? The big ambition is we want to be, um, and you might smile about this because that's pretty much a slogan that every young startup has, but we want to be the biggest independent digital wealth manager or the biggest robo-advisor in, in Europe or outside of the US. Um, I think we have a, a, a great chance. We're already the biggest one in Germany, uh, 14 months after our start, uh, substantially bigger than our competitors. We are the fastest growing one um, um, in, in Europe. And uh, yeah, so that's actually our ambition that in whatever, 10 years time, Scalable Capital is a recognizable brand if you're thinking about investing your money. That you think, okay, I want to invest in ETFs. Why don't I use Scalable? Because they have built a very good concierge service around that and they do everything for me. That's basically, the, that's our long-term goal. Okay. And are you, will you be moving up uh, Towards more of the business for JP Morgan, etc., to uh, get them in jeopardy, or is this really something you're just creating, basically a new market um, for mass, and this will be big enough, and you will stay there for the next years? So or is, is is there going to be um, a shakeup? Yeah. Well, um, I think there will be a shakeup in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's you have to you have to be fast, but also you have to be. Um, you have to take one step after another. Yeah. So um, I described the current focus that we have, and we are very happy with that. But maybe at a later stage, that is something a business that we want to engage in. Yeah. I mean, uh, you see this with other companies. I mean, it's always uh, difficult to make uh, um, examples. Uh, but I mean, who would have thought that a company like Amazon that started out selling books via the internet? that they become one of the biggest or the biggest cloud service provider. Yeah. Um, so there are lots of things that you can do in the future. Um, once you, once you, um, once you, yeah, once you won the first battles, but this is something for the, for our podcasts in the, in <laughs> next year, in the next couple of years. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll uh, update I'm, you on that. Yeah. Great. And I'm, it's, it's, uh, also, I'm, I very, uh, 
I very much believe in having a, a huge ambition, but taking very small, small steps, but yeah. at the very at the, fast pace, at very fast pace. It's, it's, it's really, that's really important. I mean, that's. I think that sometimes. I mean, you have other. Um, you have companies taking other approaches. Yeah, I mean, especially like here out of Berlin, for example, big uh, incubators who basically go international from day one, who have a business model expanded to thirty countries, and that. Uh, that is that's, that's very very hard to manage in my view. I think the, the our approach, or I mean, I can just speak for ourselves, is exactly how you described it: one step after another, but do them very 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 fast. Yeah, but don't do too much, too many things in parallel, because that will rip you apart. But you are now two years in the market. You have what forty employees or something? Uh, fifty, yes. Or fifty, uh, yes, or uh, thirty-five uh, in Munich and fifteen in London. Okay. Yeah. What? Did that do to you, as like leading the company from the bedroom with your brother? Uh, now you have uh, have to manage fifty people. How did that evolve in in two years? as a steep learning curve, I uh, I imagine. Can you just give yeah, some it's, a, it's a very steep learning curve, and it, uh, funnily enough, it brings you a little bit back into the into the the corporate world that you came from. So I mean, in the very beginning, we were. A couple of people sitting around one table, literally. So communication wasn't a problem. You don't need meetings, updates, conference calls. You don't need that. Yeah, everything is discussed within one room. But um, with 50 people, I mean, it's not a huge company employee-wise, but it's still it's still uh, it's, it's still uh, sizable for a for a young company. Um, you need to have certain yeah professional structures again. Yeah, you need to have these. All hands meetings. You need to make sure that communication uh, flows between the divisions, and you need also to now hire functions that don't directly work at the front line, but that help the company to work efficiently. So we hired a very good head of finance and HR. Yeah? Um, in the beginning, you do this all yourself. Yeah, you do the reporting and everything yourself. But um, these these things you have to think about and to hire. Um, to to basically make the company work uh, efficiently. Um, where where did you take? Um, I mean, if you, if you structure, you always have to also have to think. Okay, how am I going to structure this and that? And uh, am I going to hire the head of finance now or or not? Um, uh, is this Goldman inspired or is this West Wing inspired? Um, I would say it's more West Wing inspired because at Goldman, you it's such a big company, and it's, I mean it's a 160 year old uh, investment bank. It's um, you can work there for 20 years and be a super 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 specialized. Yeah, they basically allow you to do just one thing and nothing else. There's literally things everything else is done for you, everything, and. So at West Wing, actually, that was um, that was uh, a very good experience. That in a, I mean, West Wing grew enormously. Yeah, when I joined the company, they were two years old, and they already had more than one thousand five hundred employees worldwide. And they had basically uh, our problem. Yeah, they had this tenfold. Yeah, how to how do you quickly organize and get organizational structures in? And so I mean, that's where I learned the most. Uh, um, especially with regards to managing people, yeah, because um, I mean at Goldman, it's 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 not that hard actually to manage people. Yeah, people know exactly what they have to do, um, and um, the the management advice is quite broad. It could basically be, hey Eric, we have to earn more money with insurance companies, and then you run and you figure out a way. People are are I mean yeah, usually 
um, the motivational um, the, motiv the, the motivation is I mean apart from money it's it's the intrinsic motivation believe it or not is, is very high so you don't need a lot of management there actually I mean they always say Goldman is a very well managed company I think it's very well managed because it doesn't have to be managed so uh, yeah. so intensively um, but at, in startups you you need yeah uh, and th I think this is um, the biggest challenge uh, for a lot of first time um, 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 entrepreneurs that they have never really managed before. And at West Wing, I was really uh, fortunate to get management experience because that was my main job actually, yeah? managing, especially for the for the German for the German business, which is the big, biggest part of their business, managing managing co managing the the German team. Yeah. What what drives you? What uh, what uh, what uh, gets you up in the morning yeah. and gets you excited? Um, yeah, usually it gets me up already at, at night. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes. <Okay. laughs> no, I mean, what drives you? Funny thing is, I mean, before you found a company, um, there are lots of things that can drive you. One is um, just the temptation of founding and being an entrepreneur. One is to, if you think you have found or thought about a better solution to do something, which we think we have, you, you, you want to create it, you want to show it, you want people to use it. Yeah. But once you are alive, once you've made that decision, once you've quit your old job, once you've asked friends and family for money and also professional investors, it's 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 you're just in it. Yeah. I mean you don't it's not like you don't question anymore, but it's just it's you get up in the morning and you don't need additional motivation. It's just you're just there, you're in it. People you talked, I talked a lot of people out of their well-paid jobs to join me. Yeah. And so this, the, 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 the level of responsibility yeah, um, that you have for your employees, for your investors, um, is, is just enormous. So that drives you, the, the, that just, uh, it's, a constant, it's a constant driver. Yeah. But is it, uh, is it still very much intrinsic or is it also a lot of extrinsic? I mean, kind of, it's yeah. hard to differentiate, but yeah. there are some external factors. The investors want something, the employees yeah. want something, etc. It's, it's, I mean, I, I have, I mean, speaking for myself, I think the, uh, the major driver is still the intrinsic driver because it's, it's, we see that we have a chance to really change the way money management is done, um, especially for private investors. And we see um, every week hundreds of new people that I have never met that don't know any of my friends personally. Yeah making decisions to give us their hard-earned money. Yeah? And this is, a, this, is, this is a huge opportunity. I think the timing is perfect. I think a couple, of, a couple more years earlier were, would have been too early. A couple of years later would have been too late. I think in my professional life, the stars have never been more aligned than this. And this is, this is a, a fantastic opportunity. Yeah? Basically, people sometimes ask me, oh, But how can you separate work from life and work-life balance? That doesn't exist anymore. On the weekend, for example, when I do whatever, when I take a couple of hours out of my schedule to do some uh, visit my family or do sports or whatever, after a little while I get nervous. I want to, damn it, I have to send this email to this one guy. Oh, I thought I just thought about a new feature I have to discuss with our head of product. And you have, it's not like that you have to do it. It's, it's an intrinsic motivation. You get nervous if you're not working on it all the time. That's at least I, uh, I the spirit that I see. Yeah. I completely understand the urge and I have it uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, I, have, I have kids now, family, etc. Yeah. So uh, things change uh, um, in, those, in, in those contexts. 
Um, but still, what I what I uh, realize is um, that's very important, but also hard to then also just turn turn yeah. off the constant nagging yeah. um, while you're in a social circle yeah. with friends. That especially or maybe or it would be important to yeah. not be from the tech scene. Yeah. They'd say, "I don't care about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just call it. Let's just talk about something completely different." Yeah. Um, and still remain focused, etc. Yeah. And that for me was a certain learning curve yeah. to also then just switch off um, uh, and then be in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. This is something which was helpful always, always for me, and I think, and I think also it's very. Uh, healthy uh, with in a relationship with yeah. others to not drag your stuff everywhere yeah. uh, because obviously 95% of the time we are busy with our ventures and our things and how to create impact and drive yeah. forward and um, go go forward etc how, how did you uh, experience that or are you good at managing uh, also those so uh, if you're with your family as you yeah. say can you turn <laughs> off and can you just currently not currently not I'm not good with this I mean people always say that it changes a little bit because I mean the early phase is most important for for a company and um, again as I said we are employing more people who take some roles away from us which is necessary but currently I have to admit I'm not good with this like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really I'm really horrible actually and and this is also really important I mean for me is when you found a company don't just consider your own abilities and your co-founders also have a think whether your environment is is made for that I mean if my girlfriend for example she founded a company herself mm -hmm. and that like went very well then it went through some, some big troubles and she knows exactly how this feels and if she didn't have the understanding how that actually is, I think that would be really, really, really troublesome because even like when we sit at dinner, when an email comes in, I immediately have to read it. It's bad behavior, I know that, but it's, you really, you need an environment that is very, very supportive of, of what you do. Yeah? If your closest, if your partner, your wife, your girlfriend, your, 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 your family or your closest friends, are not supportive it's it becomes increasingly uh, more difficult yeah and uh, yeah so currently I'm, I'm not good at switching this off at all my environment is supportive but i have to learn how to do that better in the in the future because you can do it for a couple of years you can't do it forever yeah i totally agree and i you're you're still in the I don't know, it's probably not the right term, but like the honeymoon phase yeah, of yeah, no, the business. The case, yeah. um, if you're, and it's also, it's really going well, the yeah. stars are all, yeah. are all aligned, uh, um, aligned, you said that. So it's, uh, at some point, there will be challenges. Exactly, yeah. They probably also yeah. had them, but uh, there will be bigger challenges yeah. uh, with employees, with investors, with yeah. liquidity, uh, all that stuff that we as entrepreneurs are uh, facing. And um uh, i think uh, yeah you have to it's it really that it, it, it is only healthy to yeah. to cope uh, cope with that in the right way i have one more personal question I, yeah. um what what personally for you um uh, how, or how would you define success hmm. oh that's a that's a tough one um um i mean my personal success yeah so far is that, um, I mean, I described how much it is a roller coaster and how much you have to be engaged, but nevertheless, how it feels to me, and that's why I'm super, super happy that I've done it, is I have the freedom and the luxury 
to really do what I like. Yeah? I mean, you could argue that in a free country you always have that. I mean, no one is forced to do a specific job. Yeah, uh, You can whatever uh, start a new, um, um, if you really, really like it, and st whatever, study something different even at a later stage in your life. But um, sometimes this life still forces you to, to, that it's not that way. Yeah, You get whatever, children and kids and you have responsibility for others. And for me, it's really fantastic. It's, it's, it was our own decision to do it this way. The initial start was very, very good. And just to have the freedom to do this and also have the freedom to work only with people that you enjoy working with. And all your, this, is, this, is, this, is, this feels like enormous success. Yeah? This really feels like enormous success. Um, and um, yeah, that, so that, that, would be, that would be my view regarding personal success. Yeah, I think we're pretty much through. Is there anything I should have asked? Is there anything you want to... Is there any big announcement you have that you uh, want to, in this podcast, announce for the first time? <laughs> announce for the world. <laughs> I mean, um, no, I mean, there will be announcements, obviously, um, in, the, in, the, in the future. We just announced, uh, obviously, the, the two big announcements that we had this year was the partnership with Siemens and that we doubled uh, to 200 million in client assets. We... Very much hope there will be more announcements of this kind this year, and some are already in the pipeline. Um, but apart from that, it's uh, no, that's that's all cool. good. Thank you very much for taking the time, Thank you, and uh, I'm really looking forward to see what you guys are uh, doing. A very impressive story, and uh, yeah, uh, I'll be if you invite me, I'll be back next year. <laughs> exactly, and then uh, we'd we'd love to hear what uh, how the development went. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. Eric?